Welcome to Playing With Perspective, the suspended animation podcast, where we hear real stories from real people and we tackle all sorts of fun topics in the areas of business, marketing, entrepreneurship, mindset, the arts, and well, life itself. It's amazing what you'll pick up. Thanks for joining us. Another fantastic episode of Playing with Perspective, the suspended animation podcast. It's episode 213. I'm your host, Darren Saul. Hope everybody's doing well. I have the fantastic Andrew Pierce with us today. How are you doing, Andrew? Good. Thank you, Darren. How are you? Very, very well. We're just discussing Andrew's joining us all the way from Bali. I'm very jealous. Yes, yes, all the way from Bali down in uh, Uluwatu. Ah, legend. What a life. And we've got a great topic today, something that's very, very close to my heart and very important, how to be at peace and perform at your best. So Andrew is a professional stress and performance coach, showing high achievers how they can master the skill of emotional release in such a way that they are able to rest, regenerate, and refocus without needing to stop doing business, meaning that they can maintain a high level of output, results, and performance. Through his work, Andrew's clients also experience moments of awakening where they connect to clarity, direction, and deeper meaning in their lives, all of which result in them being happy now and enjoying the quality of their life. So, mate, welcome to the show. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, Good to be here. Now, this topic is more and more spoken about, more and more prominent every day as our lives are getting busier and busier. Technology's, you know, driving us harder and harder. We're fitting more and more into every day. Burnout is everywhere. And mm. I think, you know, it's something that's really important to take your emotional temperature in a way so you don't yes. burn out. So I'd love to get a, a bit of an insight into you as to how you got into this in the first place. Yeah, so I have been coaching for a little over nine years. I um, always been interested in why we do what we do, different ways of thinking, and 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 excitement for like it's got to be a better way than the nine to five. And how can I use my mind effectively to 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 create a good life? And so um, early twenties, I remember a moment where I, I said. I'd love, I just love to get paid to give people advice. <laughs> I was, I had a very clear feeling that that's what, that's what I would like to do. And from there, the specifics unraveled. And so I, I initially enrolled in a bachelor of psychological science um, in Melbourne, nice. did that for a couple of months uh, and then stopped because on the university website, I found a definition of what human behavior and life coaching was. Uh, so I called up immediately and then, was going to transfer into that for my second and third year. But then not long after that, I got a a Facebook ad from the Coaching Institute in Melbourne. And uh, yeah, I saw that on a Monday night, called them the next day, went in on the Wednesday uh, and signed up to their top tier program. And, and that's, that's how it all started, man. For me, it was passion and, and interest and just an absolute match. And yeah, I would have been, 24, 25. Yeah. So you, you found this time. you found this quite young. Like you found this area of interest quite young. Quite young. Super easy. Uh, I'm so uh, grateful and fortunate for how much it just 
landed in my in my lap. But yeah, came across it quite young. hadn't hadn't been the usual story of had my own coach or gone through my own stuff. Um, it was just like this is a match. This is what I want to do. This sounds great. That's Let's awesome. go. That's awesome. And why yeah. do you think that is? Were you were you were you brought up in a way that was particularly aligned with that or were you always a bit of a different type of thinker were you more of an introvert were you into meditation how did you come up like how do you think you were, were aligned with that so so young and i i think i think it's just i think it's just who i am i think it's just what i'm here to do i really just feel that like i i am also grateful for the fact that my soul has chosen this path and has these interests you know like i didn't I didn't ever really think to myself, oh, I'm going to get interested in yep. personal development and stuff like that. I've just drawn to it uh, at a younger age. It was like, um, when I say in younger, like I got my first Tony Robbins book at, at 19. I mm-hmm. I uh, read, you know, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence yeah. People. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, what I really wanted, I just wanted everyone to love me. I wanted to be this, this great social being, this great socializer. So I was interested in like, how can I get the information of personality traits and cues and body language yep. so that I can have this invisible information that I can, that I can use yep. so that I can then, you know, speak to this personality type, the way that they like to be spoken to and stuff like that. So that was, that was an initial draw. Um, but I was always a, a logical, rational thinker in the group and would like to break things down and have my philosophies and principles on li- on life and stuff like that but uh mate just a natural draw i got into buddhism um yeah wow as well really loved reading about attachment and yeah. and uh and stuff like that it just makes sense i just i feel it in the body it sounds super awesome and cool it's just like what you can you don't need to slog yourself for your whole life to then be happy and if anything it's that you can let go of what's not even true or what's not even the truth of reality like that type of stuff just excited and still excites me to this day i'm like that's so cool i love philosophy i think buddhist philosophy is one of the most powerful and useful (laughs) ways to think about life Mm -hmm. i always love buddhist philosophy i've studied buddhist philosophy um, and the text of siddhartha and I think it's just yep. brilliant. Yep. Yeah, so, it's it's um it's cool. It's cool stuff to 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 learn about. Yeah. So let's talk about the topic for today. Why? What is emotional mastery for you, and why is it so important to be at peace with what we do and, and how we live? For me, emotional mastery is. It's a couple of things. It's the ability to be with oneself. Yep. Burnout comes as a result of just not wanting to be with oneself, yep. uh, which the way that I address things and in the nine years, I find this to be the, the most powerful influential approach is changing the way that we relate to fear and our relationship with fear. Mm-hmm. And that starts with addressing our fear of fear, which mm-hmm. all human yep. beings have. Yep. fundamentally a fear of fear and strong feelings yep. so you know you can be a, a burnt out ceo with millions of dollars or you can be an addict on the street yeah. ultimately there's a high fear of fear there so there's some form of distraction from self of being with what the hell is this yeah. in my body 
how deep is this insecurity? You know, how how um, deep does this darkness run? Is this actually the truth of of, of who I am and what I am? Um, and so the fear of fear, it's like people who are anxious about being anxious or stressed about being stressed. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a strong, intense emotion can come up in from the unconscious to the conscious yeah. that seemingly comes out of nowhere. Definitely. You know, I've, I can, can I swear on this podcast or yeah, you prefer you not? <laughs> yeah, go yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've had many times where I felt an insecurity, a, a, a fear, a judgment on, my, on myself that's been so uncomfortable that I've just been like, how the fuck has that been down there in my body this entire time? And I haven't been aware of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, that's so humbling and just bamboozling. So something that's already in the body that's so intense can seemingly come out of nowhere. That's scary. That's confronting. Yeah, yeah. It feels to be, true of who of who we are it feels like the worst case scenario is going to happen if we don't do something about it yeah. and so that's when we start fighting against our emotions and that is not emotional mastery um so i would rather than that wasn't my intention rather than saying what emotional mastery is i'll say what it is not and it's 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 a, a high fear of fear yeah, yeah, it's a strong fear of fear and strong feelings and fighting against the energies we fight, we feed, what we resist persists. Um, and so when there is a strong fear of fear, then we'll distract. We'll be desperate to distract. So by addressing the fear of fear, that I believe is the starting point and the most powerful and fundamental way to then begin the way uh, to change the way that you relate to fear and the way that you relate to fear will determine whether it releases from the body or not. Okay. And so how do you, short answer. <laughs> I love that. And you know, cause most, most of us in our life are always in fight or flight mode. Yeah. Running and driving, you know, from something that kind of propels us. It can be useful in some parts of life, but most of the time it's probably detrimental. Um, so how do you address the fear of fear? The way that you address the fear of fear is first off by understanding that, yes, there is there is a fear of fear. Um, and then by being willing to face it. So without willingness, nothing happens. When someone is not willing to do what's required to get the result, they're not going to get the result for no other reason than a lack of willingness. Yeah. When it comes to addressing the fear of fear, the way that I explain it at times is like, if you think of being alone by yourself in a haunted house with no flashlight, and there's a hundred rooms that you need to open up and turn the lights on to bring some light into the house, and your back is up against a wall, so that's the only bit of certainty that you've got in that moment. Yeah. And and someone's and then let's say that this is your this is your psyche, this is your internal yeah. experience of consciousness. And someone's like, and you're you're asking me to go and explore this by myself with all those creaks and cracks and noises and things that I can already feel. Yeah. It's like fuck that. That's terrifying yeah. to have to explore that by myself. However, if you were to bring in just one friend and with just one flashlight all of a sudden there's going to be a, a greater courage and a greater willingness 
to explore that house. So the first part, the first piece that I get people to do is to bring more of yourself into your conscious experience with yourself. It is it is crazy how much we are not even with ourselves, yep. uh, how much we've rejected, abandoned, want nothing to do with. And so it just it just starts with a simple uh, compassionate tone with with sentences of like, hey, getting our, getting our attention first. You know, at times you speak to someone and you just know that they're not listening. So you've got to be like, hey, and like, okay, sorry. <laughs> and then, then the message gets across. Right. We, we need to do that with ourselves at times. Sometimes people just say affirmations, but they're not even hearing it or receiving it. Yeah, it's just- so it's like, hey, Andrew, this scurrying thoughts just racing. It's like, hey, man, I'm here with you. I got your back. We're in this together. Take a few deep and what breaths. this does, yeah, a couple of deep breaths, and it begins to create an internal experience of of self-support and safety to then begin to navigate and explore. So I think that is is the is the first step of addressing the fear of fear is bringing bringing a couple of people and a couple of flashlights into that haunted house. So it's like, all right, cool. Let's go start opening up these doors addressing these traumas turning the lights on all of a sudden you've opened 15 doors you've got the light from the room shining out you're just like okay fuck this haunted house isn't as scary anymore as as there's a bit more light in it and obviously that's where coaching and therapy and all the services that you would provide would come into play is helping people through that journey Yeah. yeah that's exactly right nice um, and so I wanted to kind of ask, in your experience, you know, you've obviously spoken to lots of different people, um, lots of high-functioning, very successful people. What mm-hmm. are some of the traits that you found some of the people that are effective and have mastered the emotional part of themselves and are at peace have that some of the others don't? Are there any common elements that you found that seem to to really resonate yes they have a desire to be at peace Mm -hmm. they have a genuine uh, and profound desire to be at peace they're like that's that's there's a value for it there's a there's a value of it um so there is there is that characteristic they have a willingness to do what's required to remove the obstacles to the experience of peace. Um, I've created a scale of of, of willingness that looks at how there is, if if fear is greater than willingness, fear wins. But if willingness is greater than fear, willingness wins. And that at any moment, anyone can access greater depths of willingness. And if you're not willing to face the internal chaos that is an obstacle to your inner peace, you're just not gonna, just not gonna get to the pace because you gotta do, you gotta do the work. You gotta, you gotta be willing. Um, and so the thing here is, there's got to be the desire, but there's got to be the willingness. A lot of people are wanting, but their willingness does not match their want, and they're just like, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. And if they were to slow down and get honest with themselves, it's just like, actually, I'm not willing. I'm, I'm scared. You know, the fear of fear. So there's got to be the desire. There's got to be the willingness. And then from that, surrender and and opening up one's body to 
pain is is really what it's about. It's like it's like if someone was coming at you with a, on a horse with a javelin and you just opened your body up to it. That's that's healing. That's release. Is yep. there is pain in the body that we are closed off to and that we're fighting against. It, it is the willingness to to open up to it and experience it and not try to control it or diminish it and, and let it express to whatever extremes it wants to and to just ride that wave, to ride that discomfort. Um, those three traits right there is is what will result in a in a, in a peaceful person. And have you found that people that come to you often are burnt out due to their professional environment or is it their personal environment or a bit of both? What, what's the, the more general scenario that you find? Yeah, for me, it's it's the professional environment yeah. that I find most. There's there's a, you know, obviously a interplay of all things at all times, sure. but it is it is the professional environment that is that is driving it. And it's just, yeah, for, for that for that person, for many people, so many emotions to keep at bay um exhausting it's yeah. tiring stuff oh it is like I, I honestly believe technology has caused the pace of the modern world to be so insane that we're all just constantly running and we we have trouble living in the moment because we're constantly mm. trying to fit more and more and more because we can due to technology and our the quality of our day-to-day -day and the quality of our now is non-existent almost because we're just running constantly to get things done. Yes. Yeah, it's it's true, man. Just just yesterday or the other day, I thought, you know, without the phones, I remember a time where you would leave a note. If I was going out with a mum and dad was somewhere or vice versa, it's like, all right, leave a note for your mum, leave a note for your dad, let them know where we're going to be, or you'd come home to a note, I'll be home yeah. around this time. Yeah, and... Um, there, yeah, there wasn't this whole like they haven't replied or need to get onto them yep. right sense now. Of urgency. There the, There's this sense yeah. of urgency in everything we do, and we expect instant gratification. Yeah. So this pressure, totally. this pace is insane. Yeah, because it's become available. Yep. I think it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't phone, available it, back then. No. So in the old days, you had one phone in the middle of the kitchen, and that was yeah. the main phone. You know, you knew all the phone numbers off by heart. If the phone rang, yes. your mum or your dad would say, oh, John, Darren, Andrew, someone's on the phone for you. Yep, coming down now. You know, yes. It's a different world, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. My sister always used to run to be the one who answered yeah. who answered the phone. <laughs> and then you'd have to take it out for dial-up internet. No one That's could call right. through. That's right. Those days were good days. You know, I used to like those days. Yeah, what I used to like about those days was which is just gone now and I have fond memories of it is that, you know, back in those days on a Friday night, a Saturday night, Sunday night, you had channel seven, nine yeah. and 10 <laughs> exactly. and you had, you may be like a seven thirty movie and a nine thirty movie, which yeah. was too late for me at that age anyways. And they were your, they were your options. That was your get together. And on the break, on the, on the ad breaks, off to the toilet yeah. and brother or sister would yell out it's back on you would sprint down nice the stairs back man. to the tv and it would just be a wholesome family get it together was. and activity yeah. um it was quite nice having the ability 
like not being able to choose on Netflix and pause. It was, there was something about just being like, Hey, it's on TV yep. and it's going whether you're there now, or not. Now that's, was, when, that's, that's like the definition of living in the moment. Like it's on yeah. now, appreciate it now. You can't rewind yes. it. You can't pause it. You can't watch it later. Mm-hmm. You can't rent it and watch it in six weeks, whatever. It's yeah. now on and that's it. I love that. Yeah. I love fond, fond, fond moments and memories of, of those like, yeah, yeah, Saturday night movies, seven, nine, and ten. What are we watching? Yep. Three options. Yep. And, and I agree with you. Like, I think the these days we have too many options. There's way too many options for everything. It's yes, it's exhausting. You know, just give me two options. I'm very happy. Yeah, that one or that one. I don't need 15. Yes. Yeah. On that about options, I know this was my experience and, and I spoke to some others that uh, resonate as well. Initial periods and, and moments of COVID for myself were quite peaceful because options were removed. I agree. Yeah. And something that was really cool that I noticed was there was a peacefulness that I felt at times that came from the the absence of judgment. Dalai Lama's got a great, a great quote that says, love is the absence of judgment. Okay. And I was only aware of the judgments in the absence of them. Exactly. So I couldn't go to the gym. I, I couldn't miss out on social events. I couldn't go to the sauna. Mm-hmm. I couldn't whatever. And so if I was sitting on the couch, because those options were taken away from me, those judgments weren't there and there was nothing to be tussled with. And it was just interesting how I really was most aware of them in the absence of them. Cause I'm like, I'm feeling quite peaceful because I can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually that gets boring and you want those options back for the variety, but yeah. it was just an interesting observation. I 100% agree. Like removing all the options gave you a simplicity and allowed you to just live in the now and be happy and be and make the most of whatever it is that you were doing. Yes. Without that fear of missing out, fear of choice, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's that's so ironically created through judgment anyways. It's I find it comical that we will unconsciously create a problem. And by unconsciously I mean we don't even we're not even aware of the fact that we've done it and then we're off to solve it. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy, isn't it? We're just finding things to do. We, we shouldn't be, you know, we should be focusing that energy on other things. And instead yes. we're creating all this other stuff to do that is so ineffective to our daily life. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. In a way. It's, <laughs> it's like, let me solve this problem to be at peace. Yeah. Whereas it's like, no, 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 stop, stop judging the moment as wrong and you'll be, you'll be you're already peace. at yeah. peace it's it's it is very I mean, metaphysical it's the game. very spiritual yeah yes it is it's the irony of of the the game of life i used to, well. I used to read a lot of uh deepak chopra wayne dyer you know all yes. that kind of stuff as well and um you know that was all very very interesting you know very mm. along the lines of what we're talking about but yes about, i love that stuff yeah so did i yeah. love that stuff you know so cool um but i wanted to have just to get some tactical strategies from you for people out there that you know are always running they're on the treadmill of life like me like everybody and Mm -hmm. we want to find a way to avoid burnout to master our emotions what are some you know basic strategies that you could give people that where they can start taking that journey 
Yeah, a great place to start is to think of emotions as energy in motion, yeah. to think of emotions as a tennis ball that is underwater because your hand is on top of it. Uh-huh. And that the tennis ball has a natural buoyancy to float to the top of the surface um, and then down the stream. But if your hand is on top of it, which creates tension because there's counterforce, yep. it can't go anywhere. Yep. When you remove your hand, the tennis ball is as good as done. Like you don't need to yell at it or direct it. You're not just like, oh, it's floating to the surface in the wrong way. Like mm-hmm. it's all you need to do is get your hand out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. And that that tennis ball is going to float to the surface. Yeah. So that's a practical way to go about things. And then people ask, well, how do you do that? The way to do that is to bring your awareness to the fight that's taking place within you. So if someone says you've got to let go, what does that presuppose that you're holding on? If someone says you've got to surrender, and to surrender is to stop fighting, what does that presuppose? That there's a fight taking place in the first place. And so the identifying that i then get people to feel like can you feel that you're that you are pushing back against that emotion and you're fighting against it yeah and they're just like yes i can feel it i'm like great push a little harder back off a little bit push a little harder back off a little bit just to get them to tune into the fact that they are doing that yeah because often at times it doesn't feel like we are and we just feel like we are victims to our thoughts or our emotions. We're bringing, um, bringing more attention to the conscious part of that instead of that being unconscious. Yes. Yeah. So if we were to look at the words suppression and repression, suppression is a conscious uh-huh. push down that we're aware of. Repression is unconscious when there's so much shame and guilt around a part of ourselves or emotion that the mind just pops it down there. Um, so it is bringing awareness to the suppressing, the fighting, the pushing back. Because um, funny story, one time at a, at a friend's three-day event, I was speaking and a woman said, how do I let go? And I said, how come you're holding on? She yeah. goes, I'm not. And it was just a perfect example of how, like you can't let go of something that you're not holding on to. That's right. It was just quite <laughs> funny that... That was her experience. I'm like, this is great. You feel like you're not even holding on. Yeah. So let's first bring your awareness to how you do holding on, why you're holding on, how you fight, because that gives a point of reference and a, and a felt sense of, okay, if this is what fighting is and pushing back is, this is what surrender must be. Yeah. And so that's why I, I start at that point. So the, the tennis ball analogy is game changing. I've, I've said it hundreds and hundreds of times over the last nine years because oh. it, it just works so well yeah i love it um any other particular tips after you might have gone to that first stage another powerful tip is to name how you feel and to name what you fear mm-hmm. it's a little concept i've created that i call you've got to admit it to shift it yep. which is if an alcoholic denies their alcoholism they're, they're not ever going to offer themselves the opportunity of recovery because of the denial of the existence of the problem in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And when there's a strong fear of fear and also like, you know, when there's a lack of understanding and awareness around emotions and how the inner world works, well, the the inner world's even scarier. 
So education helps reduce that fear of fear. But when there's a strong fear of fear and it's just like I'm scared to even admit to myself how I actually feel and address the thing, yep. it's like it's like a boogie monster that doesn't exist, but we think it does. Yeah. And it always has power over us because we never look in the closet and realize that there's nothing there. That's right. We're scared to even open the door. Scared to even open the door. But when you have the willingness and the courage and the understanding that, hey, if I had, I name this and bring light to it, it will move on through. The tennis ball has the opportunity to rise to the surface. Right. Then one will name how they feel. And even in that experience, someone will become aware of how judgmental they are of how they feel, how shameful they feel for feeling shameful, yeah, yeah. how guilty they feel for wanting more for themselves, yeah. for example. Uh, so another practical strategy is to get honest with yourself and curious and listen and begin to name how you feel. You can be a, you can be a CEO, millionaire, successful, and you can go and you could name, I feel like a scared little boy. Yeah. Or I feel like an imposter or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm just doing everything I, I'm doing to hide behind the title and not become exposed for not really knowing what I'm what I'm doing. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Very common. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. But when you name it, you you, you take away its power. Yeah. Which is the power that you've given it just That's unconsciously. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's all yeah. self-afflicting. Yes. Yeah. Again, just, <laughs> just that I like uh, uh, Alan Watts, you're talking about Deepak uh, Chopra and, and Wayne Dyer. Alan Watts yeah, says the fundamental game of life is, is hide and go seek. Life is hiding from itself to seek itself. It's making itself unconscious to itself to then become conscious of itself. And in the process of that is a bloody shitstorm oh, <laughs> at yeah, times. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you meditate? Yes. Yeah. What's your take on meditation and mindfulness? Does it how does it, how much does that play into into this? Yeah, my take is that um, meditation is the non-judgmental observation of our experience. That's the angle that I go with, um, rather than a real concentrated focus. Yep. I, I rather think a like a soft, more relaxed focus is and a, 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 like a curiosity. Yeah, and a, and a, and a, a listening, like just listening without feeling. Like if you're in the forest by yourself and you hear something behind you, you're going to be listening so intensely, yeah. but not not in a way that is going to try and construct sound or sure. drown anything out. It's because you want uh, to. What's the word when you meditate? You're observing without judgment. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So that's that's what I think. That's what I think meditation is about and listening to the body. Like if you're in the, if you're in the forest, in the woods, and there's, you're sensing danger, you want to get the information rather than, you know, going, oh, this is, that, this is what's going on. This is what's happening and analyzing it all. It's just like there's that alertness. So I think, yeah, meditation is the, the non-judgmental observation of our experience. What I love from Alan Watts, he says he's like muddy water is best cleared left alone. Yeah. So to watch. I like that. Yeah. It's very cool. It's very cool. It's very cool. It is very um, cool. So to watch and notice and listen and be curious and, and uh, 
yeah, you learn a lot. You learn a lot. Yeah, and I think even to take that a little further, even if you don't want to meditate, and I did a meditation course many years ago. I've done a few, mm-hmm. and I never continued meditating. And I wish I, I did, you know, because I, I really found it amazing. Um, I try to be mindful wherever as best I can. But I think even yeah. if you don't do any of that, if you just learn to take a few deep breaths when you think you need to, it's already a huge shift and it can really help. Just a few deep breaths. Yeah, yeah I agree, man. Uh, like if someone did that a couple of times a day, five times a day when they needed it, yeah. instead of just going on through, it would have a huge impact. And that's, that is, yeah, I think a lot of people think that meditation is you've got to be sat down, that's right. lotus position, no, no, no. really focusing on that breath. But it's like, nah, man, there's, that's such a narrow, it's, it's a, it's a way, sure. And, and power to it, but there's, it's, there's so much more. These days there are many apps and all sorts of guided meditations that you can do that all give you, you know, allow you to tap into that wavelength and that energy without, you don't have to yes. be the traditional yogi. Totally. Totally. Um, have you got any good case studies for us? I'd love to hear a case study or two about, you know, obviously confidential of, you know, someone and you've helped through something and maybe walk us through how, how you did that. What was the process? What was the outcome? For sure. Um, yeah, so I had a, a, a guy come to me late, well, yeah, like December right. last year. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, in, in, a, in a professional role in a position of, of burnout. Yeah. Burnout, just... And, and actually on that, before we even go any further, what, what did, how did he define burnout? What, was, what, was, what were the symptoms of burnout? For them, it was like mentally fried yeah. uh, and, and just frazzled, just, okay. just tired, just. like, yeah, exhausted, coming home and you're just recovering as much as you can for the next day. Right. Uh, the, 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 the tension and the tightness in the body, because yeah. there's so, you know, like millions of two litre bottles of Coke that have been shake, yeah. shaken up without yeah, the, the lids <laughs> taken off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, exhaustion, constant, like always, the mind is always on. Irritable, probably. Yeah. Yeah, irritable, just tense, tense in the body. Yeah. And just it's just a the common thing is just a knowing of like, I can't keep going like this. Yeah. Yeah. And just fact, on empty. Good on him for actually tank. coming. Yeah. Good on him for actually acknowledging it and observing it and saying, I need help. Yeah, absolutely. Um and so yeah, they, they, they came along and everything we've talked about here of like surrender, of naming, of willingness, before we even got on a call, just in a voice message. I'm like, before we got on a call, man, like this is how it's at, how it is with willingness. As long as you're willing to, to, to commit and look at some stuff, then yeah, we can definitely do some good work together. Um, and they were, they were willing. They were willing to, they were no longer willing to go the way they'd been going. And they were willing to face the uncertainty of what things would look like moving forward and ahead. Um, and so the the initial sessions was there's, there's there's definitely this phase of the education 
Now, I've got a lot of content that people can go through, but there is the the education and just the experience of the naming mm-hmm. and even the relief and the release that comes from the naming. Yeah. That is those first few sessions. So I've got, I've got a three-pillar process, and the first pillar is changing the way that you relate to fear, so addressing the fear of fear. Um, the skill here is emotional release. The ability is to be with yourself. The fear is of being stuck forever. The skill and the ability help you address the fear, which gives you the gifts of of peace, stillness, calm, and so on. So that was the first phase of the, of the coaching is just like a bit of damage control. Let's just reset and get you back to neutral. Um, and so that was the first part of the coaching. Then what happens is the second pillar is uh, changing the way that you relate to desire, self-value, and self-expression. And as this is just common through all of my clients. As pillar one, there starts to be a graduation there of, of the fear of fear, and they learn the skill of emotional release and they're able to be with themselves. Clients will come to a session and be like, Andrew, I don't really feel like I've got much to work on today. I don't really feel like there's anything, there's not an issue. And then if something does come up, I know how to address it. And I'm like, yep, this is what happens. And now there is a space for the question to be, what do you want to do what do you want to create how would you like things to be so pillar one is a moving away from pain direction pillar two is a moving towards desire direction which brings up its own set of insecurities Uh, there can be a comfortability this unconscious internal justification of i'm doing that because i don't want to be there versus i'm doing this because it's an expression of myself and, and who i am there's a greater vulnerability with moving towards what we want because it's moving towards what we want yeah, rather than moving towards something because we're actually moving away from something else. That's it. You have to you have to face the fact that you might not achieve it for whatever reason, that you you know you feel like a failure, all this kind of stuff. So that's why we totally. run away. Totally. Yes, exactly. So that's then the, once that part of the coaching was was done for this for this person, um, then there was the exploration of how do they want things to be next and connecting to some self-value, putting in some boundaries. And uh, they actually were in a new role that they were only in for a couple of weeks okay. that um, that was just not what they were presented someone was trying to micromanage and was stifling their their genius and their work that they were to do in that role and we actually had a session around um connecting to their value what they will and will not tolerate their boundaries what they want here and uh it was within a couple of days they they handed in their resignation and 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 we we had many conversations. We were just like, "Huh, who would have thought that a couple of months down the track you'd actually be here in a position of of, of temporary unemployment?" Um, but just taking some time off, getting some rest, exploring yourself. They got into cycling. Uh, they went and did a house sit on the other side of the country. Uh, they found love. Um, and they are they're just still enjoying the the ebbs and flows of life without this need to to have status or reputation or a professional career and and it will it will come about when the time comes but in fact 
themselves and their partner are looking to yeah create uh and and earn from their from their passion rather than from um just pushing and hustling there was a session as well actually around crafting their own ip their intellectual property that 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 may still come to fruition at some point um but uh yeah man it was quite the journey it was a beautiful six months and uh just such a different person on the on the other end of it all wow and do you generally work is there a, a time frame or it's really depending on the situation I have three and three and six months. Sometimes someone will jump in on, on four. Yep. Um, but I, we both kind of feel into it and assess where someone is, is at. Um, what I find is that a great, a great way to go about things is to give three months to each pillar. It's for someone to, to, to get a decent graduation, let's say, or certification of relationship. Number one, the fear of fear. Yep. It's, um, yeah, you're looking at about three months, six to nine sessions over that over that period, um, to have enough stuff to dive into to build the experience and the proficiency of just like, yeah, okay, I, I know how to do this. Yep. Now, yeah. And it's almost like the old situation where a child might ask a question is very curious, and they might say, "Oh, why did this happen?" You just say, oh, "Because of that," and they'll say, "But why?" And you say, "Because of that," and they'll say, "But why?" So yeah. in that first three months, someone might acknowledge one thing, but if you, if they dig further, they'll probably uncover another 10. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well said. It's like, it's like when you travel and you tick a couple of things off the list, you come back with a, with a longer list. So yeah, there is the, the, the experience of opening up to, to what's there and being like, yeah, shit, I didn't think. Yeah, and think there was this much. I didn't think it ran this deep. Okay. So, um, oh so yeah, that's that's well said. So there's so there's just a, a remind us of those three parts. The first part is acknowledging the first section. Second section was moving towards what you want to achieve, and what was the third section? The third section is looking at uh, conscious creation uh-huh. and the ability to have a degree of success without the stress and burnout. So. Relationship one is the way that you relate to fear and emotional pain. Yep. Skill is emotional release. Relationship two is the way that you relate to desire, self-expression, and, and self-value. And the skill is self-attunement. Yep. So you can all you're always your own source of clarity and direction and of knowing what you want. And then relationship three is your relationship to um intuition, action, and manifestation. And the skill is conscious creation. It's it's uh really aligning the belief the willingness, the identity with the new desire that's been connected to in the second relationship so that you consciously and intentionally bring it to life in a way that doesn't stress and burn you out in the process. Yeah, I love that. So it's it's more, that's more the practical application of what you're trying to achieve, but it's done in a way that is not... Rigid? Yeah, not super rigid. That's the best way. It's done in a way that's not super rigid. So you welcome slight opportunities that might come from a different direction, but might still be on the same path. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's, there is a, like you can, you can go through all three relationships are interconnected and, and playing with each other at at all times. You can, clients go through, can go through all three in one session 
And then as you zoom out, they're going through all three at a at a larger, more macro scale at their life at the same time. So it's um, there is a flexibility and a solidarity to it at the same time. Yeah, it's not a stiff, rigid. Yeah, that would go I, against I everything that. I'm about. <laughs> I believe that. Like that's it's kind of that mix of Eastern and Western philosophy. You know, I love that spiritual element yes. whereby you can just let things take it, take their course, let things manifest without always controlling everything. Like you, you're on the certain path that you've chosen and you steer yourself in a certain direction, but you don't always have to know exactly what to do or where to go. Yes. Yep. Yep. Well said. It's, it's a real, I, what I like to bring is like a grounded uh, practical, like practically applied spiritual philosophy and and teachings that's not because you can bypass you can spiritually bypass you can be overly woo woo that doesn't create in the material world and stuff like that and you whatever but i think spirituality makes a lot of sense to me i'm like i get that that makes perfect sense um yeah how do we uh, practically apply this in a in a grounded way and that's what i really try to try to bring that's awesome so generally three to six months and each pillar has its own process. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Love it. Yep. Awesome. Do you work on zoom? Do you do group sessions? Do you work one in person? How do you generally work? Yeah. So I'm, I'm all online at the moment. Uh, one-to-one calls are on zoom. Yep. Uh, I have a, yeah, I have a digital program that has a Facebook group for support. If anyone has any questions, it's very much a go through at your own pace. There's some emails to, to, to keep you up to, to pace with everything. Um, and then I, I have done, you know, live programs before Facebook groups, zoom, telegram chat, all that type of stuff. But otherwise my one-to-one is done on zoom and telegram. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, there's a, there's a membership site hosted off my website and a Facebook group for, for support, for access to me. Um, and they're my, they're my two things at the moment. Love it. Do you have, you know, once a month meetup for all the people on the Facebook group or anything like that? I did. I don't at the moment. I I had fortnightly Zoom calls, like group Zoom calls. Um, I think I will pop something back in either weekly or fortnightly that will be, rather than a Zoom call, it will just be a live stream. Submit your questions beforehand and I'll I'll just jump in and a live stream. That's how I used to do it back back in the day 2016 17 and i i like that i just get i just get flowing and rolling and answering questions so um i feel that i'll be bringing that back in potentially end of this year start of next year nice and do you yeah. think that living in bali has added an element of spirituality or added an element of something that helps you in your with your own practice and also with your with your teaching Not overly that I feel, to be honest. Yep. Um, I was already into my spirituality and all this yeah. type of stuff before I, before I got here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, not overly. Okay. Interesting. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Andrew, it's yeah. been amazing to have you on the show. Like really enjoyed that. Do you want to let people know how to find you? What, what your website Absolutely. is, all that kind of stuff. For sure. And, and, and back at you, man, it's been a fun 
conversation. I've, uh, I've enjoyed the, the questions and then a bit of a back and forth at, at times. It seems we've got a bit of a similar wavelength with our... Yeah, I, I agree. With our thinking and what we think works. I've uh, always loved a nice blend of spirituality with practicality. Yeah. That's that's the way I put it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so the best way to get me, just jump on the website, www.andrewdpierce. There's a D in between Andrew and Pierce there, uh, .com. And there's social links, there's free downloads, there's free written and video content. There's there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that you can access and uh, and plenty of ways to contact me as well. Awesome. You're on LinkedIn as well and Facebook and all that stuff, yeah? Yep, LinkedIn as well. Um, I'll, I'll get you to put yeah, all those, man. give me all those links and then I'll pop them in the in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, excellent. So I can find excellent. you. But uh, mate, yeah. really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, I had a really interesting conversation i enjoyed that as well you know i love talking about this kind of stuff it gets a little bit more spiritual and a little bit more metaphysical and i just love that but Great. it's still extremely practical and i think it's something that we all need to do and think about more and more every day because life and the pace of the world the modern world is just getting crazy yes yeah it's it's, it's been a good conversation man I've, I've very much enjoyed it love it well um i always like to give my guests the last word anything else that you want to leave us with but yeah, just to flow on with what we've been talking about, be willing, be willing to, to look at yourself. And if you're, if you're finding that you're into your personal growth and you're, you're doing a lot that doesn't seem to be working, I tell you now that under, underpinning it is a, a lack of willingness, as willing as, and committed as you already are and as, yeah. as you might think you are. Yeah. This is this is no shame, no judgment here. It's just an honest evaluation and, and a an observation is that there will be a lack of willingness somewhere that you can change that will have profound effects on on the work that someone is already doing on themselves. So um, be willing and get get honest with yourself about your willingness. Yep, beautiful, great way to to finish off. Yeah, thank you, brother. Well, mate, thank you again, everyone out there. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I'll put all the links to find Andrew in the show notes. So check them out. Check out his website, his Facebook page, his groups on LinkedIn. Download some of his content and enjoy. You know, you know, we all can benefit from doing more work on ourselves. Yes. It's just part of the human condition. Absolutely. But uh, everybody, have a great weekend. And we'll see you very, very soon for another episode of Playing With Perspective, the Suspended Animation Podcast. Bye for now. Thanks again, Andrew. Cheers, mate. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Playing With Perspective, the Suspended Animation Podcast. If you would like to join me as a guest on the show, I would be delighted to collaborate. Feel free to buzz me on 0414-659-800 or email me on darren at suspendedanimation.com.au. I'm always on the lookout for great guests who can share their stories and expertise with my community. Also, if you have been thinking about putting your own podcast together and not sure where to begin, look no further. I run a really simple three-part podcasting course, one-on-one -on -one with me, where I walk you through the entire podcasting journey. You will end up with a fantastic new podcast to start sharing right away. Feel free to get in touch to discuss further. But for now, though, have a fantastic day, and I'll see you next time.